The Adam Crowley Show. Well, can I just speak for myself here, please? No, I will not speak to you, Stat Pat. I've had it up to here with you. Well, you can hear me, okay? Just listen no! to me. Just for a second. No! Enough! Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh, boy. The NFL held their spring league meetings in Atlanta over the last few days. Among some of the items discussed was the national anthem and how the league was going to approach it for the upcoming season. There is a list of six things that are going to happen. Let me bore you with the details. One, all team and league personnel on the field shall stand and show their respect for the flag and the anthem. Two, the game operations manual will be revised to remove the requirement that all players be on the field for the anthem. Three, personnel who choose not to stand for the anthem may stay in the locker room or in a similar location off the field until after the anthem has been performed. Four, a club will be fined by the league if its personnel are on the field and do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Five, each club may develop its own work rules consistent with the above principles regarding its personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. And number six, the commissioner will impose appropriate discipline on league personnel who do not stand and show respect for the flag and the anthem. Well, there it goes, boys. It's all fixed. No gray area. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. The league done F this all up again. Again. They screw up so much stuff, you guys. The NFL should have hid and hoped that this whole anthem thing blew over. That's what they needed to have happen. Who's giving them public relations advice? When I was younger, and I didn't want to do something I was asked to do at work, I would see if it would just, poof, go away. Crowley, can you do this remote in three weeks if we wind up doing it? We might not, but do you want to do it if we do do it? Yeah, sure thing, boss man. Then I would not email them any questions about the event, and I'd hope that it would be over before it ever started. I would hope that it would never materialize. And it worked 50% of the time, all the time. In the NBA, players smoke weed, but we don't talk about it because they don't get suspended. Don't ask, don't tell. Out of sight, out of mind. What we don't know won't hurt us. The NFL is bad at that. They are instituting a rule where teams could be fined if players demonstrate during the anthem. Players who want to demonstrate can remain inside the locker room, as I just said. The NFL is thought by some casual fans to have a drug problem. Why? Because the NFL punishes players for drugs. They bring their own offenders into the spotlight. They screw up their own PR. Now they're discussing the anthem again instead of making it just go away. Here are the two solutions from me and the Ignorance is Bliss campaign. Either don't show the anthem on TV, or make teams stay inside. Either way, it all blows over. Period. If fans aren't seeing pictures of players kneeling, they will not get pissed. I think it's fairly simple. But the NFL gone done. 
and come up with 15 different ways to try to fix this one problem, and all those 15 different ways have screwed it up even more. All this constant tinker bickering keeps this polarizing subject in the news cycle, which is the last thing that the NFL needs. It's OTA's week, baby. Where's Tom Brady? Where's Le'Veon Bell? What's going on with Aaron Donald? Some San Diego Padres player just... It's a Los Angeles Charger, not San Diego Padre. Close there. Just blew out his ACL and maybe Antonio Gates is coming back. There's football football to discuss. The NFL doesn't need to figure all this out right now. Here's the deal, though. It's 32 owners, 31 of whom are very, very white, who are making the final decisions here. The NFLPA has not been consulted, and boy, oh boy, the NFLPA is pissed. Art Rooney II of the Steelers said, while it was not defined, he believes that raising a fist and linking arms during the playing of the anthem also would constitute disrespect of the anthem. We've just added another catch rule. There's a gray area now as to what constitutes disrespect and what does not constitute disrespect. If I stand there with my hand in front of my pelvis, does that mean that I'm disrespecting the national anthem because my hands are too close to my crotch? Or am I just standing in attention? What if my hands are behind my back? Is it too close to the crack? If I raise my fist in the air, that is disrespectful, but what if I keep my arms folded? For the love of God, we have fixed nothing! Nothing! Art Rooney II also went on to say, Quote, as has been said, I think we've spent a lot of time really not just at this meeting, but really over the last year discussing the subject of the anthem and working with our players to try to make sure we could get to a place where all the different viewpoints could be respected. End quote. That is a good idea. In a world where everything's perfect. That's what you want. You want players to be happy, owners to be happy, and fans to be happy. And you'd like them all to hold hands and sing, not the national anthem, but kumbaya as their souls are lifted towards heaven. That's what you want. But the league seems to think that this is a quote-unquote compromise, and it ain't. For a couple of reasons. Just off the top of my head, here's one. They didn't ask the players! The players' union didn't get a say! How can you compromise if the people who are kneeling don't get asked about whether or not they should keep kneeling? The other thing is, the NFL owner's idea of a compromise is, well, if you're going to kneel down, just do it in the locker room. It'll be like you're tying your shoe. No one will see it. No one will care. Oh, really? Have you asked the players if that's what they want to do? The players are kneeling to raise awareness. Can't do that from within the locker room. They're going to be pissed about that. And guess who else is going to be mad? All those red-blooded Americans you think you're making happy. All those ticket buyers. All those people that you think are going to love the fact that nobody's kneeling on the field are now going to start asking, where's Aaron Donald? Why isn't that guy out there? Is he hurt? Oh, or worse, is he a member of ISIS? At least when you see Colin Kaepernick kneeling down on the side of the field, you could say, oh, that guy is trying to kneel down and stand up for something. Now, God only knows what's happening. 
Every player after the game is going to get asked about this. You weren't out there. Why? Well, got the fish tacos last night. That was the problem. Didn't think I'd be quite ready for kickoff. What happened to you? Ah, a little dizzy before the game. Just needed to get some fluids. And you? Well, ISIS. I hate the country so much that I couldn't even stand out there for the national anthem. And you will have players who will stay in the locker room to protest and then get asked about it after the game where they will discuss the issues at length in front of the assembled media and then those players will get crushed because, well, they weren't out there and now they're talking about it when they should be talking about the game because, hey, they're football players, not human beings. This isn't a solution. It created a bigger problem. Because here's the funny thing we do. Whether it's a sports debate or a national debate, politics, what have you, we get out our shovels and we just dig a big old trench. And then we hop down into the trench and we don't leave ever. We poop there, we eat there, we sleep there, we make love in our trenches. We don't move from within our trench. And no matter what new facts come out, new policies come out, we're going to stay right the bleep there in that trench. Rats crawl in, STDs are rampant, people's scalps are falling off. It's awful in the trench. You ever read all quiet on the Western Front? I did. But we stay there because there are people around us who share the same opinion. The people who are mad at the NFL players are going to continue to be mad at the NFL players if the NFL players go inside. <sighs> Fact, Jack. And the players who want to be out there aren't going to look at this as a compromise because they do want to be out there. And if you tie it all together with that nice gray area, if a fist's disrespectful, then we have got ourselves not a solution at all. Your thoughts? Here we go. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jamel in the car first up on the show. Hello, Jamel. Hey, how's it going? Good, buddy. What's on your mind? To paraphrase Jim Brown in one of my favorite movies, She Hate Me, if you want to get somewhere, start messing with the money. People forget that the NFL took money from the government to promote um, patriotism, which is why you see the national anthem. So you can't not show it after taking the money. That's if, a good point. Uh, there's nothing like forced patriotism, huh, Jamel? Nope. And if you, if you think about it and sort of compare and contrast, if the majority of your season ticket holders were black, you wouldn't have this issue in terms of the protest and people threatening, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to watch the game. Do you think that they cleaned anything up with these new policies, Jamel? No. Not, they just appeased the money people. Well, the, they the think that they appeased the money people. Money. Well, right, and thank you very much for the call, 412-922-2874. I was looking into that a little bit yesterday. That is why the National Anthem is performed before every game, because the NFL took money, and it is forced patriotism. But there were games last year where the National Anthem was not on the broadcast, and some networks determined that they didn't want to do it, some networks determined that they did want to do it. If I was the NFL, instead of enacting all this nonsense, all these pieces of paper, all these rules and regulations, what I would have done is said, all right, TV peeps, don't broadcast the National Anthem. We will do it at every game. We're not going to change any policies, but just don't broadcast it. And then you see where it goes. The beginning portion of last season is when this problem was at its 
Zenith anyhow, by the way. The beginning of last season was the biggest problem when Donald Trump tweeted out and started saying things about the national uh, about the National Football League. That's when the league started linking arms and that's what caused the problem in Chicago with the Steelers and the disconnect on that team. That's when it all went down. By the end of the season, there weren't more than five or six or seven players kneeling for the National Anthem. Now, new players come into the league, and maybe they'll do it. But a couple of the players aren't going to be around anymore. Eric Reed's not around. He knelt down, he took a stand, and now he's not going to play football. But it wasn't this colossal problem at the end of the year that a lot of people are making it out to be. Now, I wonder why they could be making it out to be a big problem. Well, it's because race now becomes politics. And race does not need to be all tangled up in politics. It's race. It shouldn't be about that. But that's what they make it about because it suits their agenda. We're talking about seven players kneeling down at the end of the season. Let it go. Let it die. See you later. The NFL wants to be the moral police on everything. Beat your girlfriend, we're going to punish you. Not the law, we. We're punishing you. Smoke some weed, the law ain't punishing you. We are. I don't care if you don't go to jail. We're going to make you. Unless you're Matt Patricia, then you get off scot-free for whatever reason. But they want to be the moral authority on all this stuff. And that's where the problem began. Because when you want to tell people how to behave, how to act, and punish them when they don't act according to your rules... Then you have to start having opinions on everything. And you have to start legislating everything. The NFL bit off more than they could chew with Ray Rice. They bit off more than they could chew with Spygate. They bit off more than they could chew with all kind of stuff, not even within the realms of football. And Spygate's probably a bad example because it was cheating within the league. But when they're trying to throw down edicts left and right, eventually it was going to catch up with them. The best thing that they could do is to allow the justice system to take care of stuff. The best thing that they could do is allow their players to have free will. Not show the anthem. And no one's the wiser. But they done screwed that up a long time ago. And they done screwed this up again today. Coming up next, the Steelers could be signing Michael Kendricks, an inside linebacker who was released by the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll get into some football football with Matt Williamson from the Steelers Radio Network. And then we're back to this, because that's what we do. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. The DOD spends $53 million a year on sports. What's that for? It's for parading troops out there. Having people sing the national anthem, flyovers. And while I do believe strongly in this military, I also think that's pretty darn propaganda-ish. And the NFL's taking a lot of that money. We'll get into that and more at 440 with the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Right now, the real football stuff. Football, football with Matt Williamson, who is from the Steelers Radio Network. Hello, Matt Williamson. What's up, brother? How you doing? I'm good. You want to talk about the flag or no? No. 
Michael Kendricks, good fit for the Steelers, yes? Yes, yes, yes. I think he's going to be sought after. I mean, I could probably give you six to ten teams that should at least be calling, kicking the tires. I think he's a quality player. Every down capabilities, uh, probably better against the pass than any of the linebackers they have on the roster right now. You think John Bostick's a guy who can be a three-down linebacker for this club? Uh, yes, but kind of by default. You know, he runs well. Um, he doesn't change direction, play in space, play in reverse all that well. You know, I mean, I think he's kind of a downhill guy, but when he's in a straight line, he gets there quickly. Um, he's experienced. He has some leadership skills. Certainly the communication skills are instrumental, and that's not an accident that they're bringing in better communicators. Um, but that's kind of in a pinch. I think he's a lot like Vince Williams that way. Can you rank the three linebackers for me and give me space between them? How big a gap you think there is between them? Vince Williams, Michael Kendrick, and John Bostic. Oh, Kendrick's one. Gap. Vince. Small gap. Bostic. Okay, that's surprising to me. I thought you would have said Bostic, too. And Vince Williams three. Now we're talking about some controversy on this program, Williamson. That yeah, uh, that up. will not stand for me. Okay, I'll tell you what. I think Vince Williams is clearly number three on the list. Yeah, I think Bostic would win in a race. I think Williams is better at playing football. We're know? not supposed to talk about race on this show. Matt Williamson joining me here <laughs> on the Crowley Show. If they weren't able to get Kendricks. Do you think that it makes sense to kick the tires on a on a Bowman or a Lawrence Timmons? Timmons, no. I think Timmons would be third on that list of the two guys here, and I don't think that he's the athlete he once was. He was never a great recognition player. He got exposed in coverage. His might be time for him to get on with his life's work. Um, Bowman, I feel like I'm missing something, you know, because. The Niners moved on from him, and to no fault really of, of his own. You know, they had Foster, and they want to get younger and move, get the caps out of the way. Oakland desperately needed him, and he struggled there early. But, boy, as the season went on, I thought he started playing really, really well. And then they brought in a new staff, Gruden's staff, obviously, and they didn't want anything to do with him, apparently. You know, they're moving on. But I don't understand why he's still on the market. I, you know, is there an injury there? Is he turning down offers? Is he considering not playing next year? But, you know, Steelers have Bradley on their staff now, too, who has a relationship with him, and he played at Penn State, and he's from Jersey. I mean, I would think he'd have interest coming here. But he's also, you know, a Band-Aid on the problem, and he's not a great coverage player anymore. Doesn't sound like they really have a great coverage linebacker on the roster from an inside standpoint. So, no, I think that leads you to the next conversation, which is, how much do you play sub-package football with multiple safeties and you slide one safety in to play the linebacker position? That's what I'm most intrigued in seeing as the season gets closer, and I wonder how much of that they are going to start playing with in OTAs. Yeah, and I've been saying that all along, that if, you're, if you couldn't get Van Der Esch or Evans or the true, hopefully, replacement for Shazier, quote, inside linebackers, you know, you can work around that by playing big safeties in the box, and you're seeing that more and more across the league. Burnett did a fair amount of that. Um, I absolutely think Edmonds fits that mold 
a great deal. And then when they took Marcus Allen in the fifth round, I'm like, okay, all cards are on the table. You know, they're going to play safeties on the second level of defense. You can call him a linebacker or not, but they're backing the line. Do they have anybody who can play center field for them, though, Matt? To me, that's the biggest question. And, you know, watching OTAs, it seems like a lot of people are doing that or trying that or depending on how the plays go, rotate to that position. I don't know. To me, that's the biggest question about the whole defense, more so than who's the, quote, linebacker, is who's the single high safety and will they play less of that? They've played quite a bit. I mean, ideally, you, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like an Ed Reed type. I mean, that's what you ideally want is that center fielder, rangy, uh, attack the ball in the air, Earl Thomas. I still think that the maybe the best candidate for the job, though, is Cortland Sutton. What about Cameron Sutton? Him, too. Cortland Sutton's a, a wide receiver for the Broncos now. Cam Sutton would be even better at it. Yeah, you forgot more football than I've ever even learned. I do that from time to time. Yeah, Matt Williamson joins us here on the Crowley Show. Sounds like there could be a little Bud Dupree, T.J. Watt flip-flop, at least at times. What's that do for the defense? Not a heck of a lot, but I do think that's going to happen. We were interviewing Bud yesterday, and it was clear. I mean, he was lining up on the defense's right side. And if this was 15 years ago, I think it would make a bigger deal because the discrepancies between left and right tackle prototypes aren't as great as they used to be. But still, you know, I mean, offenses don't come out with a tight end on the quarterback's right all the time, you know, hardly at all, really. I mean, it's just it's not a tendency anymore. Still, I I think Dupree has a better chance to use his straight-line explosion power strength against, quote, finesse left tackles where TJ might be able to use his athleticism, bend, technique better against heavier-footed right tackles. But again, that gap isn't what it used to be. Do you think it matters where the sacks come from, as long as they're getting sacks? No. um, It's kind of a chicken or egg situation. I think you and I have had this conversation that if you had Khalil Mack or Vaughn Miller, you'd be rushing them every time. But you don't, and the Steelers drop their edge players more than pretty much any team in the league. But they also generated really good pressure up the middle with Hayward and Tuid and Blitzes and Hilton and those guys. And in today's NFL, especially against like a Brady where the ball comes out so fast, you would rather have interior pressure than exterior pressure because it takes fewer steps to get there. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a split-second difference. But I'd rather have a big man that's 300 pounds with long arms rushing up the A-gap and getting penetration than Von Miller screaming off the edge and Brady steps up into a clean pocket. But if Dupree were Von Miller, he wouldn't be dropping in the cover so much. Last couple of things from Matt Williamson here. Uh, the Steelers Radio Network, it is the Crowley Show. When looking at the Steelers' defense, a lot of the similar pieces that they had last year, especially up front, how are they going to get better at defending the run? Because they need to. Because, my God, they were awful, particularly at the, at the end of last year. Yeah, they were. I mean, but there's certainly stints or games. You know, the Bears game comes to mind as well. Uh, Mike Hilton had a good point today that, he, you know, he just kind of brought it up on his own when we interviewed him. He said the things that were really – the keys that we're trying to change from last year as a whole defensively are, number one, our tackling has to be better. 
And he's 100% right. And he said, number two, we allowed far too many big plays. And I asked him, you know, were some of those mental gaps, you know, blown coverages. And he said, yeah, but he said, you know, if we take care of number one, we'll take care of number two a lot better, too. And obviously that's true in the running game in particular. You know, if you break a uh, – Leonard Fournette breaks a tackle, he's gone. You know, I mean, some of these home-running hitting types that have great speed. So I do think becoming a better tackling team would go a long way. And it, I'm not sure that Edmonds is that guy. I mean, he struggled with that, but he also had a terrible shoulder right. situation, too. So I'm not sure it's fair to judge him as a tackler when he shouldn't have been on the field because his shoulder was so bad. Bostic, I think, is a good, firm tackler. Everybody's a year older. And I think they realize now, too, that, you know, Shazier was the great deodorant, too, that any time something went wrong, his speed would make up for it. And, frankly, he wasn't a wonderful tackler either. Flipping over to the offensive side, Matt, I'm a little bit worried that the offense could take a little step back because I thought Le'Veon took a step back last year, and if he takes another step back, then that's obviously not good. And even though Martavis didn't have a great season last year, when he's been healthy, he's been a proven guy. And I love James Washington. I like the idea of him. I bet that he does play well, but that's also an unknown. And with those two unknowns, that puts a lot of pressure on Ben and a lot of pressure to me on Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think you phrased that well too. And as you were having that, as you were stating that question, I'm sitting here thinking, well, what area of the offense or what position on offense has a chance to be noticeably better this year? Mm, tight end. Then I'm not sure. You know, is AB going to be better than the best receiver in the league? Probably not. Is Bell going to be better than last year? Maybe. Maybe we see the two year ago version. But I'm a little more pessimistic, like you are. Ben's a year older and started the season rough. Is he going to be a better quarterback than how he finished last year? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, but that doesn't mean it's terrible. You know, like, look at the the Falcons. Remember two years ago with Shanahan, they were a record-setting, unbelievable offense. And then, you know, Sarkeesian comes in and everyone's criticizing him because he's not Shanahan and they're not by far the best offense in the league. But they were seventh, and you know, they were still really good. You know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown. I still think that they're going to be way above average, even if these things happen that may or may not happen. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. What did you think about yeah. the offensive line last year? Did you think that they played well enough? Exceptional in protection. Yeah. I really think that they've done an exceptional job in protection, and that's most important in today's NFL. I think they took a small step back in the running game, and but I thought Bell took a not a huge step back, but a step back, a bigger step back than the, the blocking did. I still think it's a top five line overall, though. Yeah, I do too. I don't think enough people realize that Le'Veon Bell took that step backwards last year. I know. I feel like I've been on an island for that, you know, for quite some time. I mean, no chunk runs. Put up big numbers, but a real volume-based, you know, I mean, it's because he had so many catches and so many carries. I'm not saying he's bad, no. but just remember how good he was two years ago. He was unbelievable, jaw-dropping consistently. Now he has some runs where you go, whoa, you know, that's impressive. But fewer, and certainly fewer chunk runs. Yeah, far and away, two years ago, the best running back in football last year. Right. No, I mean, he had he was a yard off in terms of yards per carry. He just wasn't the same guy. The explosion wasn't there. Uh, Matt, yeah. really appreciate your time, man. Uh, thank you, as always. Have fun with Mr. Lolly tomorrow. Give him a noogie for me, okay? I will. We got Wolf tomorrow, too, so we got the full house. Why didn't I get invited?
Yeah, maybe you've been fourth on the list. Okay, I'll take fourth. See you, buddy. I'll make you feel good. See you. Yeah, there he goes. Matt Williamson from the Steelers Radio Network and WilliamsonFootball.com, which I did not pub at all over the course of the interview because I forgot what it was called. It's tough to remember, WilliamsonFootball.com. It's hard. Do you guys know what just happened to you? Do you? We go heavy subject matter for 15th. We bring you back to the nuts and bolts, X's and O's football, and we're right back into the mess, baby. Coming up next, DOD, $53 million to sports, and what did the NFLPA have to say about this anthem BS? It's the Crowley Show. NBC Public Relations tweeted out the top 10 markets for hockey ratings throughout the country. And I was surprised to find that Buffalo was included because I thought Buffalo was in Canada. They came in third. Vegas was second. Pittsburgh was first. Bad ass that Vegas has the second best ratings overall in terms of Stanley Cup playoffs watching. But I tweeted out that Pittsburgh's hockey tan and all these Buffalo people are jumping in my menchies. They're coming after me hard. They're defending their honor. Well, we don't have a playoff team, and the ratings are still third, which means we're really hockey town. Guys, I don't care. Also, when 30 people tweet you from Buffalo, does that mean all of Buffalo is tweeting you? It's a 99.6% of Buffalo. Okay. Well, at least they got the free health care up there so they can heal up after I beat their asses down. Why don't you drink some Labatt? Eat some poutine. I don't like their weird bacon. Maple syrup. Pancakes. I guess we do some of that stuff here, too. Okay, that's enough fun. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Here's what the NFL Players Association had to say in a statement after it was said that, well, players can be punished if they demonstrate during the national anthem this year. Quote, the NFL chose to not consult the union in the development of this new quote-unquote policy. NFL players have shown their patriotism through their social activism, their community service in support of our military and law enforcement, and yes, through their protests to raise awareness about the issues they care about. The vote by the NFL club CEOs today contradicts the statement made to our player leadership by Commissioner Roger Goodell and the chairman of the NFL's management council, John Mara, about the principles, values, and patriotism of our league. Our union will review the new policy and challenge any aspect of it that is inconsistent with the collective bargaining agreement. End quote. Oh, snap. They pissed. Oh, damn. couple reasons why they're pissed. Number one, for real, they did not get to have a say in it, and that sucks. Number two, you just know the NFLPA wanted to negotiate the drug stuff off the table. That was the number one priority for them for the upcoming CBA, and now they're going to have to deal with this too. Now this becomes a bargaining chip in the cap of NFL owners. So the NFLPA is fighting an uphill battle at the next collective bargaining agreement, now on two fronts as opposed to just the one front, and that has got to piss them off. But beyond that, though, there are players who would like to stand for the National Anthem. There are also players who would like to kneel for the National Anthem. And their beliefs, the NFLPAs, needs to be, we want our players to be able to do whatever they want to do. 
As long as it's not overtly discriminatory, as long as it's not overtly offensive, as long as they're not grabbing their Johnsons like Baker Mayfield, then they should be able to go out there and do it. Man, imagine being part of the NFLPA today. I know Ramon Foster spoke about it earlier today at OTAs. He said, look, we haven't had guys here who demonstrated, so it doesn't necessarily affect us, and if it does, we will get there when we get there. But he was saying that out of respect for the organization. Not everyone's going to feel that way. And I haven't been scouring Twitter, but I would imagine that there are players right now who are a little bit perturbed with the way that this whole thing went down. Now, the other angle here. Good old American force patriotism. Let's put up the posters for World War II. No, the DOD had $53 million to spend on sports, flyovers, national anthems, rolling out the troops onto the field, stuff like that. And the NFL takes a large chunk of it. The DOD, the NFL, they're all in cahoots. And if you want to look at it from a political standpoint, fine, go ahead and do that. But from a business side of it, the NFL is getting this money. So the NFL is just trying to stay on the good side of one of their, I guess, donors, one of their advertisers. Because it is advertisement, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. Let's roll out the big old American flag. Let's get the troops out there. And let's propaganda this shiz up. I mean, let's call it what it is. They are a client. Of the NFL, that's the word. Who who uses the services of the NFL to get their message out, and it, and it's similar if you put it in context like this. Imagine Geico and the little lizard. Okay, there's the little lizard, and then all of a sudden the players, all of a sudden they think that maybe insurance is not a good idea, and they start protesting insurance. Now follow me. I know this sounds weird, but they're like, oh, insurance is bad. It's a, it's a gimmick. You know, they always rip you off with it. And then all of a sudden, Geico's like, hey, you know what? Your players shouldn't be talking bad about our services, or we might have to think about pulling our ads. As ridiculous as it sounds, there's no difference between the two when you break it down to bottom line, which is every everybody is talking about. The owners were worried about their bottom line. They want the advertising in the gate. Ethically, this is just so blurry. I understand why the DOD's going to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a great product. It's... It, it, reaches a lot of people why wouldn't they want their message out but now we're in a weird situation where the actual advertiser is dictating kind of the content of the league and you could argue either way you want but the end of the anthem stuff is content within the league as much as a as much as a passes as much as a tackle is as much as a win and losses it's content within the league and now that money that dollar is dictating what happens to our product and that's a fabulous point. I mean, we deal with this stuff all the time. God love our sales department. Yeah. But we do things content-related that we want to do, and then we hope that they'll sell it. Right. Sometimes they'll come to us and say, we've got this idea, and we don't love that quite as much. As he breaks the fourth wall here, as he reveals some of the way the sausage is made, it's exactly that, right? where now you're beholden to do content that they want you to do because they're selling said content, and now the NFL, they are scurrying back into their holes saying, oh, we can't, ha- we can't be losing this money, so we've got to say F you to our players in order to make sure that we can gobble up every last cent that's coming from the DOD. Damn! 
I hope people can see through that though a little bit. It's a it's a it's really hard to. And, and I mean, we're in the advertising game. I mean, we do radio, but let's not make any bones about it. Advertising drives radio. It does. And and I'm a little hypersensitive sensitive to it myself. But it took me a while to come to the realization that these flyovers, that these color guards, that all these things are paid appearances. I, I mean, they pay to be there. And it t- even me, with my mindset in, in an advertising world, took me a while to get to that. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a paid advertisement. Well, now it becomes, for me, to move past the advertisement, it becomes forced patriotism. All because the money's pouring in that says and dictates the NFL needs to act this way. And it becomes the players themselves getting cast aside and not being able to do the things that they want to do because the money's coming in the other way, despite the fact that these players help generate all the damn revenue. I mean, if the players weren't playing the game, this great popular game that it is, and weren't doing such a damn good job of it, then DOD's not getting involved, money's not pouring in. It really is all chicken and egg, and I suppose it depends on which side that you're already entrenched in, right? But to me, there's nothing easier for me to see through than we're the league, we say, don't kneel, and we're saying so to grab this faction. And if I'm part of that faction, I'm a little irritated because I don't want people to have to be standing for the anthem because they're asked to stand for the anthem. I want right. people to stand for the anthem because they want to stand for the anthem. Yeah, you don't get credit for something you're made to do. Right. You know? I mean, it's again, and that's kind of a forced patriotism on them, not even right. the advertising part of it. But, like, yeah, like, you will respect this. Well, what if you don't? And, and another note on that, too, is one of the things I love about sports and most people love about sports are the personalities, are yes. the people involved, the things they do in the offseason, the things, how they handle their teammates, how they handle other teams. These personalities are what draw you into a team. That's why you buy the shirts. That's why you buy the gear. And this is another step in kind of muting those personalities. You know, hey, look, I may not agree with the guy, but I respect the fact that he's going to throw out his beliefs. You know why? Because that creates more personality within the league, regardless of what side you're on. Who cares? I, I'm not here to argue what you care about. That's I'm, I'm not going to force that upon you. But what I do want to see is I want to see fiery athletes that are passionate about things. And if things in society happen to come across that table, I want to see how they feel about it. Yeah, I do, too. And I think the NFL just totally screwed this whole thing up today. Top to bottom. I was thinking this, too. Whether, whether you whether you laying on one side or the other. Right. It's just badly handled. Yeah. And I was thinking about this during the break. With the NFLPA, all of that, is there one part of this that the league actually handled correctly? I can't find one. They gave this gray, weird statement that you can and you can't and you sort of can, akin to the catch rule. And now it's just off the rails. They didn't include the Players Association, which you would think that would be the first thing they want to get in on board with this. But they wanted to get out. They wanted to make a statement. And in rushing to do so, like most big conglomerates do, they screwed up the message. They did. Terribly. And if you are the kind of person who gets mad at players kneeling, I guess I'll ask this. Are you going to be mad about players being in the locker room? 4129 If you are a player who wants to deal, this ain't the compromise. Going in the locker room, you want to be seen Kneeling. That's what activism 
is. So they just, they pissed off everyone, people who were already pissed off, and now they're pissed off for similar reasons, but not exactly the same. Let's go to Paul in San Antonio. Hello, Paul. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Delightful. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Hey, uh, I served our country for 25 years, and I believe they have freedom of speech. But at the same time, I don't have a problem with it. The national anthem is part of the game. Let's prorate their salaries. If they don't show up, they don't get paid for that part of the game. Hey, they made a choice to do what they want to. They have to be adults and take the ramifications of what the price is. Our guys overseas pay the price every day, especially coming up on Memorial Day. These guys aren't paying any price. Well, thank you for the call, Paul, and thank you for your service, certainly. I I think because of different people's ideals of patriotism, we get this whole message lost in the shuffle. And the message was that Colin Kaepernick did not like that African Americans, he thought, were being treated more unfairly than white Americans by police officers. But let's forget about that. Let's talk about the atrocity that's been committed. It's people kneeling down during a song. In church, that's a sign of respect. On a football field, oh, hell no, that's awful. Prorating players' salaries and taking their money away because they choose to kneel down during a national anthem is a gross overreaction. All of this is a gross overreaction, but that to me is just ludicrous. It's absolutely asinine. No one's getting hurt by these players kneeling on the field. Not one soldier who is losing their li- are losing their lives are losing their lives because players are kneeling down during the anthem. No one's getting hurt because players are peacefully protesting. It's a peaceful protest. And these are the same people who will scream and yell and lose their collective bleep. When a place like Ferguson gets torn apart because they are protesting non-peacefully. Now they try to protest peacefully, and well, damn them, screw them, they can't do it that way either. Prorate their salaries, come on, what are we talking about here? They get money taken away from them when they do drugs, and that irritates me to an extent. I get it, it's one of the rules, but this is just a gross, gross overreaction. Alright, let's go to Devin here next up on the Crowley Show. Hello, Devin. All of this is so ridiculous. First, the, the, the kneeling takes place before the game, so they're doing their job by playing in the game, so that has nothing to do with their salary. <laughs> no, didn't you know, Devin, that their job is to sing every word in the national anthem? And secondly, it's been so mutated about what the whole cause was. The cause was about police brutality and different things of that nature. Sure. It's not about the troops. So when people try to mutate it and say, oh, they're disrespecting the troops, you're just twisting the narrative. Well, and, and you're right about that, Devin. But if people want to say that the flag represents the military, fine. They can say that. But people who do say that need to realize that on the other side, people can look at the flag to mean something completely different. And about a representative America in our nation. Well, that's what I think, too. And here's what I do disagree with some of my other contemporaries about, Devin. I do wish Kaepernick had gone about this maybe a different way, because now it's May 23rd, 2018, a year and a half after this all started, and we're talking about a piece of fabric instead of the people's lives. It's insane. See you, buddy. The NFL done screwed it up again. One owner, though, is trying to deal with things differently. We'll tell you who that is when we come back. It's the Crowley Show.